Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. If you would join with me in your Bible or Pew Bible in front of you, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28 is a text that we're going to read today. And since it is Bible Sunday, and we've given our kindergartners through third graders or kindergartners and third graders Bibles, I will tell you the best way to get your kid to read the Bible is to let them catch you reading yours. Read it together. And we should all be reading it anyway, but we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. But now let's turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28. An expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And the Pharisee answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Speak to us, O Lord, for your servants are listening. Speak to us, O Lord, so that we would know what you would have us do. Speak to us, O Lord, that we would leave this time with you, not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. Amen. Now, I want you to just do something with me. Just trust me here on this. I want you to close your eyes with me for a minute. I'll tell you when to open them up. Nothing's going to happen. Just close your eyes. Take a deep breath in. And let it out. Take a deep breath in. And let it out. Take one more in. And just let it out. And for the next few minutes, just be in this space. Just be in worship. You may open your eyes. See, now what's going to happen over the next few minutes is something that I would call, I am preaching to the choir, literally, because y'all are here all the time. And to many of you, figuratively, the choir as well, because you are here all the time. Because what we do during this hour matters for our week. And I want us to hold on to that. So I'll tell you about a story. In the late 90s, I was part of a team of leaders from my church in Davidson County, and we went to Chicago for a church leadership conference. There were 12 of us. An intentionally chosen number, 12 is always a good biblical number of sending leaders somewhere. There were 12 of us, and we decided that while we were in Chicago, that we would rent a 15-passenger van to navigate traffic. Someone decided that I should be the one to drive in all that traffic. Holy cow, that's nuts. 
If you all think that 421, Foothills Park, whatever you want to call Old Business 40 at 5 o'clock is crazy in downtown, that's every day in Chicago all day long. But as I remember getting this van, I was talking to the guy at the rental counter, and I said, you know, hey, we're here for a church conference and uh, trying to figure out when we had to return the van on Sunday afternoon. I said, because we want to stay for worship. And he went, what? I said, we want to see worship. And he goes, where? At the Navy Pier? And I said, wait, what? And he goes, you know, the warship. It would be docked at the Navy Pier, wouldn't it? And I said, no, 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 no. That was at that moment where I realized that Country Mouse and City Mouse had met and accents were colliding. But in that moment, we're talking. I said, no, 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 it's not a boat. It's worship at a church. And he blinked at me. And I said, you know, a worship service. And he said, what's that? And it was in that moment that I said to myself, well, Leroy, we are not in the Bible Belt anymore. What is worship? That's a great question. Now, some of us, if I asked, I said, well, what is worship? Some of you would say, well, it's this. And we're right about that. That's not incorrect. But there's something deeper to worship than just this. It's what happens during this time. See, when we're in worship, we express our love for God. When we're in worship, it's not about us. We're kind of setting time aside. We're setting our will aside for God's will. When we're in worship, it changes us. It opens our eyes to see what God is doing in the world around us. Worship is an act of community. That's why the, the Jewish, the, the word for synagogue, what it really means is pulling people together. Worship is us being set apart from the world. So think about what happens throughout the world. This is part of why when, Jesus, when God created the world and he got to the seventh day, he said, you shall rest and make it holy to set it apart. And that's why we set an hour of worship apart from even the busyness of the holy day. I mean, the reason why 11 o'clock is the golden worship hour, it dates back to our agrarian roots where we would get up at the crack of dawn and we would have to take care of all the chores on the family homestead and then get cleaned up and then put on our best and ride the horse and buggy into town or into the community for worship. So 11 o'clock was why we sort of had this Sabbath within a Sabbath, if you will. Because it's in that moment that all the chores stop and we are just with God. So as we think about this idea of worship and then the idea of, say, five vital practices for our spiritual faith, our spiritual living, we think about what we talked about last week, this idea of radical hospitality to God where we let God's love wash over us. So the next practice is passionate worship where we come together and we express our love for God. And so we get to verse 27 in the text we read, we're asking, Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment? What should you do? And so remember what he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and with all your mind. Friends, that's what we do in worship. That's what happens here, to love God with all of our heart, all of our, our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength our very being. So as we explore this idea of worship and, and what it means for us, maybe we ought to ask ourselves some questions like, 
why does worship matter? Or what is sort of the passion or the mystery that happens when we are in this space together? Is worship just for Sunday? Or are there things that we can do in passionate worship that we can take with us outside the doors? Foreshadowing the answer is yes. And then ultimately, how do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we practice passionate worship? Now, I'm willing to bet you that somewhere in this room that there is at least one person that can identify with the struggle. My guess is that all of us can because at some point in our lives, we were a part of the struggle. And the struggle I'm talking about is imagine Sunday morning comes and you, whether you are the one that has to do the work or you're the one that the, the work of waking up is, is being sort of performed on you, come on, get up, it's time to go to church. And whether it's a grumpy teenager or a really tired spouse or a kid that just wants to keep playing video games, at some point that frustration levels about coming up and getting up and getting ready to go to worship. And the question comes back to us is, why do we have to go? Why does it matter that we go to worship? And my guess is, sometimes we're not really sure what the answer is, and we're afraid of losing our religion already at this point in the morning. Some of you, you're laughing, you know what I'm talking about. But yet you press on, and you're here. But I think there's four reasons why worship matters. i got four thoughts on this, and I really want to use these as an answer, not only whether you engaged in the struggle today or last week, or yet it's still to come for you, or you're long past struggling. Four reasons why worship matters. First, worship orients us toward God. Think about it at a moment in time in your faith journey where you had a mountaintop experience, whether it was on a mission trip or a youth camp or it was maybe even in worship or you heard a piece of music sung that really spoke to you. It's that moment where there were tears in your eyes or there was this warmth in your heart and you knew that God was for you, that God loves you that God has called you to do something. You're on that mountaintop. Friends, that mountaintop only lasts for an instant. But when we come to worship on Sunday mornings, when we come together and worship, what we're doing is we're essentially climbing that mountain again to be reminded that we matter, to be reminded that we love, to be reminded that we are called into ministry. It's our way to experience and be refocused on God, and it's sort of our way of seeking out God in what that we do in the world around us. The second reason that worship matters is it sort of pushes us to open our eyes, our ears, our very hearts to the mysterious and the sacred in all the things that we see in the world around us. Now, we're very educated people. We're very logical thinkers, and so we use science and logic to, to sort of try to explain the stuff in the world around us. But sometimes there are things that just vex us, like why does this happen or why does that happen or, or how did this miracle come about? We can't, make it fit, we can't make it make sense. And in that moment, in that sense of awe, we see God at work around us. Because worship has opened our eyes, our hearts, our very ideas that God is doing miraculous and extraordinary things in our midst each and every day, all the time. The third reason that worship matters is that in worship, it engages us 
to the power of the Holy Spirit. That it's in worship that we are able to slow down. We're able to be still and quiet to focus on God in a way that allows us to really hear God in which the noise and the cacophony of life tends to drown it out. And what happens is when we're in those moments when we're able to hear God, emotions well up inside us. That's why in some traditions they shout amen and others they shout hallelujah or others when they're singing hymns they're waving their arms around. If they're not at a rock concert, that's the spirit moving within them. I and we don't do that a lot in Methodism, but it's okay. If it moves in you and you yell amen, your neighbors are going to look at you like you're a little weird, but it's okay. Remember what I said last week? We're all a little weird, but when the Holy Spirit wells up within us, that's what's pouring out. And those tears, those amens, those hallelujahs, that's the reality with a clarity that we only see in heaven, that God's grace has been poured out for us because the Holy Spirit justifies who you and I are and rectifies us and redeems us. So we come to worship, we engage the Spirit in all the senses of our lives. And the fourth thing that happens when we come to worship is it grounds us into who we are. It centers us. It anchors our lives. It sort of builds a sense of community. And so what happens when we come to worship on a, on a frequent basis, we buck the trend of what happens in the world, but when we do that, it centers us not just for today, but for the week ahead. We come to worship in this space. Now, there's nothing on Nothing against those of you that are worshiping with us online today, but there is something powerful that happens when we are together as a community, and we hope that you'll be able to join us because there's something magical, something mysterious, something wonderful that happens in this space when we sing together, we listen together for the power of the Holy Spirit, when we look together and watch our children and watch their, the, we can see their facial expressions up close and personal at the joy of having a Bible, there's something that happens. We're dialed into the sacred story. The beautiful thing that happens in some of our memory care units is when someone comes in and starts playing the old hymns of the church. If you've ever been in there, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Minds that have long been clouded by dementia, long been clouded by confusion, the clouds part and the sun shines in because in those minutes, in those moments, those residents in those units are singing the old hymns of the church, and they remember who they are and whose they are, even if for just a moment, because they're grounded in worship. That's the reason that worship matters. But now we know why it matters. We've got to think about what does it mean to be passionate in worship? The very definition of passion is this idea of an intense feeling or ardent affection or strong devotion to something we think about this idea, we do passion and worship together. What it means is it's something that's authentic, that we pour ourselves into it. It's not contrived, not formulaic, where we're just going through the motions. But it's an outpouring of ourselves that we sing with gusto. One of the great things I love about coming in when we're singing hymns together, especially when the choir is ahead of me, is I can hear the room fill with sound. But let me tell you, we up here, when we're all up here, we hear ourselves singing. But when you're dialed in and singing with us, this room is full because we can hear you over us. And that's amazing. 
or when we pray with fervor and we're really listening to the words and we pray alongside each other, there's something mystical and magical that happens. Or we say our creed with convention. These are not just words on a page, but these are words of what we believe. Because it's in that moment in passionate worship that we're cultivating our relationship with God. It's not about me. That's what we're saying. We're saying it's not about me, but it's about thee. It's about you, O Lord. But there's even yet more that happens. There's a mystery that happens when we gather for worship. Uh, When we think about our communion liturgy, for example, when we pray that prayer that says, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here on your gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. The theological term for that prayer is anamnesis, meaning remembering, symbolism. When we pray that prayer as a community, there's something mystical that happens with the body and the blood, the bread and the wine. At baptism, there's something mystical that happens with the water and the spirit. It's in those moments that we are pulled together and we are converted and convicted to whose we are and what we're to be about. See, passionate worship, we turn loose of all the distractions of our days and we focus on what's in front of us. If you've never done this, if you just kind of read through the bulletin, through all the material that's there, I hope you'll take it home tonight or this afternoon and really read that creed, really read that opening prayer. Read the words that the choir sang to us just a few minutes ago. Read what's happening in there and realize how God is working all around us. And we're supported by the mystery of it all. But the thing about passionate worship is this, it's countercultural. And this is really kind of interesting. See, the world's telling us, you know, because of things like the fact that we did away with blue laws years ago. And so there's more stuff open on Sundays. Because there's more sports and more activities. There's the whole brunch phenomena. The attendance patterns in churches have been in a decline for the last 15 years where people still come to church, but they come less frequently. Rather than every week, they come once or twice a month. It's countercultural to be passionate about worship and come every week. But you know what happens when we do that? When we're passionate about that, when we come together often, there's something wonderful that happens in this place. Because not only are we showing love to God, but we're building relationships with God. We're building relationships with each other. But we can't go about it haphazardly. We've got to be intentional about how we worship. And we can't just confine worship to one day a week. Now, yes, we can come to worship one day a week for corporate worship, but we need to take worship with us Monday through Saturday into everything that we do. So we think about those practices of worship. Things like prayer, praise and thanksgiving, the reading of Scripture. When we do those things and we pray on a daily basis, we read Scripture on a daily basis, and we give thanks on a daily basis, it deepens our relationship with God, but there's something else that happens. It deepens our relationships with each other, and it changes who we are. If you don't believe me, spend this week praying for just one person in your life. Pray for them every day. Pray for their health, pray for their goodness, pray for their direction, pray for their success. And you begin to pray for someone every day, it changes things in your relationship. You are more invested in their life and their success than you have ever been. 
when we give thanks for the blessings of God, and we really give thanks for it, it changes things. We begin to open our eyes and see all the blessings that are around us. We begin to listen intently for how God is calling us and what God is calling us to do. All of a sudden, we look at the world with new eyes because as we begin to listen intently, we begin to hear and see places where God is calling us to be active. See, in passionate worship, we pour ourselves into it, not only in this place during this hour, but we find a deeper passion for God and our life outside the walls of the sanctuary. So I think about the man I met at the counter. What is worship? I think about the question that gets asked in the struggle. Why do we have to go? What is worship and why do we have to go? It's because if we do that, if we go, if we come to worship, it changes the pattern for the rest of our lives. It makes us different people. It bucks a cultural trend. We go because we don't have to get anything. We go because we are saying thanks and we're showing love for the one who loves us most. We realize it's not about us in this place anymore. Passionate worship is about wanting to spend time with God. We recognize that everything that we have is from God, and for that we are most thankful. Passionate worship is about entering with entering this place, this hour, with a sense of expectation that in this hour we will see, hear, and meet God. It's about coming to this place, engaging in all aspects of whatever is in front of us in worship, whether it's sacrament or song or prayer or creed or hymn or even hearing the word read and proclaimed. But passionate worship is about taking what we hear and experience in the mystery of this place out into the world beyond us. Because it changes our hearts and it changes our lives so that not only do we show our love for God, but it actually draws us closer so that we are closer to being the people that God wants us to be. That spiritual practice to love God with all of our heart, to all of our might, with all of our soul and all of our being, changes truly who we are and will change the world around us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.